Awesome. Well, if you don't know me, my name is Adam. I'm the youth pastor here if you are visiting with us and have been for quite some time. I always like to leave with that because we do have visitors that um, come in our doors, so it's, it's a pleasure to meet you. Welcome to you. It's great to have you. And all the rest of you, it's so great to have you as well this morning. Great to see you all. I have a message this morning. I believe it's a word from God. Um, I struggled, and I think there's always an element of struggle when it comes to presenting the word. And, you know, I even heard Christina as she prayed for the message, you know, don't let it be the speaker's words. And, you know, if you're not used to preaching over a thousand times now in your life, how easy it is sometimes to maybe rely on your own strength. I think I've preached over a thousand messages in 18 years. So the fear is, God, you got to help me. You have to get this right. And through the research that um, I've done and the digging that I've done, I believe God confirmed this in my heart over the past couple of days. I kind of had to bail out of the fall festival yesterday for the most part, minus about 30 minutes of nine square, which has to be one of the greatest games ever. Um, So I have a word this morning, and I really don't know what the title of the message is yet. Um, It's it's either going to be, and and you'll be able to kind of see this, it's either going to be that I, I mentioned it in, in, in my prayer. I know that I know that I know. It, it may be entitled, Keep Listening at Your Low Point, which is why that song was great and confirming, confirming as well. Or uh, The Whisper of God. You'll, you'll understand this. I just don't know at this point. Or When God Whispers a Secret to You. Or maybe A Sudden Victory. Or maybe a sudden assurance. So I'm going to preach now. And Thursday when it's uploaded, hopefully you'll be able to make sense of it. So I'm not sure exactly um, when David wrote this psalm. But if you turn to Psalm 22, I'm not sure at exactly what point he wrote this psalm. But I do know that it was in a very difficult time in David's life. In fact, some think probably that it was maybe during a time that if you remember, King Saul was trying to take his life, and maybe this is when David wrote this psalm. So, you know, you remember that David was this this young shepherd whom, if if you remember, he, he fought a lion. He was victorious through the Spirit of God and the strength that the Spirit of God provided. He fought a bear. Like, these are crazy, awesome victories. He fought a giant, and he also led the armies of Saul into these incredible victories. And at the time, it probably seemed, after all of those victories, it probably seemed like things really couldn't get any better, but then all of a sudden there was this turn that happened in his life. So this king who once honored him, because of those great victories against Goliath and these different things and people and, and armies, was now gathering all these armies of Israel to pursue this same guy and to kill him. So in Psalm 22, 1 and 2, it says this. And you can wonder, and I've experienced this multiple times in my life, where I'm coming off, and coming off of great victories, and then for some reason things get worse. So the enemy will mess with you after a great victory, will he not? So he tries to overthrow King Jesus off the throne of your heart. Things are going great, and then all of a sudden it's like, what is happening? 
So all of a sudden this happens. So David's attitude now, Psalm 22, 1 and 2, says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning, question mark. My God, I cry in the daytime. You'll be able to relate to this. But you don't hear me. And in the night season, and I'm not silent. Like, I'm, I'm speaking, I'm shouting, I'm yelling. Can you not hear me? So in other words, this really isn't the way that David thought things were going to go. And I've been in a lot of places in my life where things turn out much differently than I may be planned out in my own thinking. And I'm still praying, David says, maybe, and I'm doing my part in all of this. But where are you, David says to God. And he, he might say, don't, don't you see that I'm in pain? Don't you see that I'm in anguish? So why are you not answering me? So just as David, I know that myself and all of us go through these seasons. They're seasons. They're seasons of what seem like hopelessness, seasons of despair. Sometimes we know the reasons, but other times we can't point really to anything that's causing this. We really can't point to something tangible that, that really gives a feeling or a sense of hopelessness in this time. And I think that the worst of all is the feeling that God isn't even listening to us. And maybe because he's angry with us. Have you ever felt that? Absolutely. But I want to tell you this morning that there's no scriptural evidence for that. Okay? It's in our head and we're constantly fighting the bombardment of accusations from the enemy. Okay? God, God is much closer than we think a lot of times. If we think he's abandoned us, that's not scriptural either. So there's no real scriptural evidence for that, and we sometimes have this tendency to believe the accusation of the enemy. And I know that in the Bible that God promises to never leave me or to never forsake me. So, but in those moments, he does seem far away. Especially in those moments where we come away from a victory and we feel the closeness with God and then all of a sudden we're at this low point and we're it just in our minds we have now distanced God from us in our mind. Maybe he doesn't want to be around me in this hard situation. Why would he do this? Why is he not really answering my prayers? And to be honest with you, speedily. Like he has the ability to answer prayers quickly and he, and he sometimes does not do that. So David says in Psalm 22, 12, and 13, he says this, Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Basham have encircled me. They gape, me with their, they gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. Have you ever felt like all of hell is against you? And you can't seem to, to have forward progress. And all of hell is against you, and basically hell's just laughing at you. Hell's just saying, you know, you, you boast of God. You, you say, you know, he's not answering your prayers when you need him the most, but you boast of God. And then the enemy will convince you that there's this separation and that he's far from you. And then hell is laughing at you because you make this claim and the devil's saying, nah, he's not close to you. He's not even answering you. He can't even hear you. You have to remember that the devil walks around as a roaring lion. 
as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, seeking kind of how he can get us to believe his accusations against the faithfulness of God. So David continues and he says in Psalm 22, 14 and 15, I want you to see this transition. This morning I want you to show you something that hit David's heart all of the sudden. And there's really not even a segue from how he's feeling into how he transitions. It all of the sudden hits his heart. And it's really something that you can't explain. Now, he, he's down at this point. Psalm 22, 14 and 15 says, David says, I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It has melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue clings to my jaw. You have brought me to the dust of death. That's low. This is a low point. Listen to this. It says, you know, he's basically saying, I mean, it can't get any worse. That's pretty low. I feel like this is a man who's already dead. He, he's seeing himself as like there's no point. There's no hope for me in this situation. So listen in Psalm 16 and 18, it says, For dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Now this is interesting because God, I, I remember that no, no voice can rise up against me. I have the right to condemn any voice that rises up against me in judgment. And it actually says in that verse, this is the inheritance of the Lord. So if you are a child of God, that is your inheritance. And here's David saying, for dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They're, all, they're dividing my garments among them and my clothing. They're casting lots. In other words, God, it, it, I was given an inheritance and all of a sudden I can hear these, these people or rumors, everybody dividing up that was these things that were once mine and they're dividing them up. They're casting lots for them. My, my comfort is being taken away. Psalm 22, 19 and 21 says this, But you, O Lord, do not be far from me, O my strength. Hasten, be quick to help me, deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. I want to make a point here. So after reading these things, I mean, I'm wondering, is anyone else wondering if it's even possible to go any lower than this man was? At this point, some of you might say, <laughs> well, I have a situation going on right now, actually. However, however, it was in the worst of the worst valleys, as the psalm says, in the shadow of death, in a time that this, these trials and these difficulties and these incredible hardships were taking place, listen to this, that a sudden revelation came into David's heart. And really out of nowhere, because he continues in the same verse, you have answered me. So it goes from all of this struggle, all of the sudden, you have answered me. I'm going to repeat that and see if you can relate to this in your life. In the worst of the worst valleys of the shadow of death. In a time of incredible difficulty and trial and hardship. That all of the sudden a revelation came into David's heart. 
And he says, you have answered me. This is amazing. This is the beginning of this vision that God in David's low point, that God was going to reveal something to him in David's lowest point. So he wrote this psalm, and it's, it's horrible. It sounds horrible. But all of the sudden, he says, you have answered me. Have you ever had a moment like that with the Lord after weeks, months, or years? It just comes into your heart. It's all of the sudden, you have answered me. I know that I know that I know. I can't explain it, but you have answered me, and it's in my heart now. This is absolutely amazing. See, he's writing. He, he doesn't even, like I said, segue into this transition the verse doesn't really go gradually from sorrow to victory. It, it, it's just this sudden revelation that hits David's heart. My question is, have you ever experienced this all of a sudden type of an, a victory that explodes in your heart out of nowhere? It just happens. It just comes. I know that I've experienced this. I know that my wife has experienced this. I know that some of you in, in, have experienced these types of victories that have come all of a sudden in your life. Anyone out there? Amen? But here's, here's the start. When I'm at my lowest point and I feel like I can't hear from God or God's not listening to me or I don't know where God is in my lowest point, that's when God comes. That's when he may even speak something so simple, maybe something, one of the most profound things you've ever heard could have been at one of the lowest points in your life. I've been there. So at one of the lowest points, God starts this process of what he wants to show David. I want you to think, what does he want to show you this morning that you're in a low point and you're like, well, I can't hear from God. He, he doesn't want to hear from me. He's not even close to me. But if your heart is receptive this morning, he may speak something to you and start to show you something that you have never even thought about. Listen to this. It gets even better. So this is where David's transi transition starts after God hit him with this revelation right in the heart. Out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden it gets better and better. Because Psalms 22, 22 says, I will declare your name to my brethren. I will declare your name to my brethren. In other words, I I'm going to tell everybody about this. I'm going to tell everybody that you have been faithful to me. I, I know that I'm still surrounded by my enemies. But somehow again, I know that I know that I know. That you've spoken to me. You've answered me, he says. I know that in all of this there's a purpose. It's, it's deeper than what I can understand or what I can comprehend. And then it takes it even further. More of Psalms 22, 22 says, In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. Forsake not thyself the assembly. In the midst of church, I will praise you. If I can't praise the Lord in church... If I can't be thankful, if I can't be myself to be able to let loose when a song comes into my heart, to rejoice in the freedom that God has given me, if I can't do that here, in front of people that are similar, in similar situations, all trying to get through life, all have questions, all want answers, in the midst of church, I will praise you. 
I mean, he's basically saying, in fact, I'm just not going to talk to individual people, which is the scripture that I read before. I will declare your name to my brethren. But he says, I'm I'm telling everybody this, but, but I'm also, I'm going to church. I'm going to church. Church is a good place. It's a good place to be. It's a good place not to just kind of not show up every now and then. How many times have you gone on vacation and you're like, I need church. You come back. It's refreshing. It's rejuvenating. It does something when you can gather with fellow brothers and sisters and come together and praise his name together in spite of your circumstance. I'm going to church. In fact, I mean, I felt like my voice is going to be the loudest one there. I'm going to church. It's time to get loud about what God has done for me in my life and in your life. Stop being so quiet because those who are loudest, they win. And you can see what culture is doing and you can see what culture is doing to our children. I'm going to be the loudest one there. You're good to me, Lord. Can you agree with that? You're faithful to me, Lord. You hear my cry. You have to remind yourself of that. If you're not reading the Bible, then you're not hearing the voice of the Lord. When the Bible's missing, the voice of God is missing. You have to read this. You must read it. If you're in a dry situation right now, you have to keep reading. That's how you hear God's voice. I know you hear my cry, Lord. You answer me, Lord. Listen to this. You who fear the Lord, praise Him. I'll wait. You who fear the Lord, praise Him. You who fear the Lord, praise Him. Listen to this. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify Him. I'll wait. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify Him. Glorify Him. Glorify Him. And fear Him, all you offspring of Israel. Listen, the beautiful thing about Jacob is that Jacob was in a wrestling match. Jacob struggled. He struggled. He struggled. All you who struggle, glorify Him. I'll wait. All you who struggle, glorify Him. If you struggle, if He is the God of your struggle, glorify Him. We're all in this together. Man, don't let go of Him. Don't let go of Him. See, not only will I testify like it says in the verse, Psalm 22, 22, I will declare to my brethren... See, not only will I testify to my brethren, not only will I sing in church, but now I'm going to start being an encouragement to everybody around me. Isn't life so much better when you can encourage other people and not just waller around in what you, God's far away, He doesn't hear me. You're to be pitied. You need to believe. You must believe. 22.25 says, My praise shall be of you in the great assembly. So I want to start encouraging people around me. And then David sees something even bigger. He says, now my praise shall be of you in the great assembly, not just church. So now God is speaking to his spirit. I'm telling you what, there are things that happened in my life 20 years ago that that are now starting to make sense to me that I had no clue what God was doing back then because of God revealing things to you. A long time ago. So listen to this. David saw in his spirit this great assembly, I guess, of people worshiping God. 
And at the time, he really couldn't understand it, but it was maybe a glimpse of what God was willing to give David in, in, in David's frail heart, in my frail heart. He can show me things at my low point, in my, in my deepest frailty. He shows me things. We can't stop reading the Word of God and spending time with the Lord. See, Psalms 22, 27 through 29, God, I struggled with this, but God, through digging deep, I, God showed me, listen to this, God, Psalms 22, 27 through 29 says, all the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. This is so much deeper than what it is really at the surface. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. Just to think a few verses back, David is in a low place. And now God's revealing things to him because David in his heart sprung up and said, You heard me and you've answered me. He got it. He gets this. Listen to this. For the kingdom is the Lord's and he rules over the nations. This is this is now a huge vision. And David was at his lowest point. See, it says, All the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust shall bow before him, even he who cannot keep himself alive. This, this, is, I, I, this is a huge revelation to David. David saw something in the Spirit. Have you ever seen something in the Spirit? We're people of God. We're saints of God. We're called by God, called of God. We need to see things in the Spirit. He saw something in the Spirit. He saw, according to this verse, he saw something coming that was going to touch the whole world, that was going to touch the whole planet. So it started from him in the verses we saw before. He was a mess. Why have you forsaken me? Then all of a sudden, a revelation hits his heart. And now he's to the point where God is showing him unbelievable things. In fact, we're gonna, we know the parallel. God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Who says that? He, he's seen how far into the future here. And he doesn't even know it. He doesn't even know there's a person named Jesus. And it's in his own lineage. It's in his own DNA. This is incredible. See, for the kingdom of the Lord, he rules over the nations. This is a huge vision. David saw something in the spirit. He saw something so big. You have to remember that up until this point, in the Old Testament, salvation was just for certain people, the Jews. But see, suddenly, according to this scripture, in the midst of this hardship, in the midst of your despair, in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your desert, in the midst of when and where you think God has forsaken you, he's not close to you, he can't hear you, he's not answering you. In the midst of that, of David's hardship and despair, this whisper of God came to David's heart. I have to repeat it. In the middle of when you're needing a miracle, in the middle, in the midst of this hardship, in the middle, while, during this despair, during this despair, God came to His heart. Amen? Telling Him that He was going to experience, and I I want God to tell me these things. Telling him that he was going to experience something that was just beyond him. Something that was so much bigger than he could see or vision or understand or comprehend. 
And we even know, like I said in, in Psalms 22, David was writing these very words that were, that were part of the greatest scene in history, the crucifixion. Really the greatest victory ever known to humanity, at least the opportunity to be the greatest victory for any soul who puts their trust in the work at the cross. So when Jesus was on the cross, he really quoted this first part. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He, he was actually quoting the entire psalm by just opening with that first verse. So when David kind of wrote that psalm, it was almost like he was being moved. A true X-man, teleported, translated into the future to be a, this vision that was being revealed to him. This is unbelievable. To the future of the cross, not only that, this Jesus, like I mentioned earlier, he, we, he didn't even know who Jesus was. But he was going to come through his lineage. It's part of his DNA, David's DNA. And there was a lot of things in the lineage of David that had to be restored for Jesus to come, right? But see, God restores family lines. You and your house will be saved. Do you believe for your families? You have to believe for your families. Psalm 22, 30 and 31 says, A posterity shall serve him. It will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has done this. Capital H. Nobody can take glory. Nobody can take credit. It will be declared that He has done this. So not only this generation is going to be talking about this. Well, what is this? He, David didn't know at the time. Just like you don't know. You don't see everything talking about this. See, multiple generations he's, it, well, is going to be sharing this. Sharing Sharing it for years to come. Sharing what? It. David's but What's it? But what is it? What is this? What are you talking about? But God, he revealed it to him, and he knew that he knew that he knew something, but he didn't know. This is amazing. This interesting thing that David really didn't know, he didn't know what this meant. He didn't know what it was. He, he didn't know that somebody called Jesus Christ was going to be born he didn't know that he was going to be Lord. He knew that this vision he was receiving, it was going to be big. It was going to be huge. But he didn't know it was going to go worldwide. I mean, it was something that was going to go viral. Talk about viral. Man, all this came to him in the whisper of God at what could arguably be the lowest point of his life. Are you listening? Can you still hear the voice of the Lord? Are you listening to the Word? Are you reading the Word? Are you, to the best of your ability, obeying the Word? You can be extremely encouraged here today at New Hope Church. See, just because you're down doesn't mean that God is not speaking something to you. It doesn't mean we have to say he's far. He's distanced himself from me because it really all comes down to dependency, to, to trust. It's all about trust. Do you trust the Lord this morning? 
See, just because you're down, it doesn't mean that God is not speaking something to you. Maybe even something greater and more profound than you've ever heard in your life because we think when we're on the mountaintops, God's going to speak to us. That's when we're clear. That's when we can understand when things are kind of clicking and jiving spiritually. That's not what this word says this morning. God says when you're down at your lowest point, God reveals things to you. God shows things to you. And you can either ignore it, you can run from it and become very, a very miserable, hard person. Or you can cling to it. And you can cling to the promises of God. And He will get you through. He will never leave you, never forsake you. I am young, I've, I'm older now, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Never, ever, ever, ever. So we have to not buy into this lie that God is not speaking to us, that the enemy will try to convince us of. See, in our lowest moments, that's what the enemy's plan is. So don't be surprised when these things come to you. Don't be surprised when you are bombarded from hell itself. Don't be surprised when you are accused. That's what the enemy does. He will accuse you. He will try to get you to believe that God is not speaking to you. And in that moment, you can't hear from God. You're too low. He's too far away. And that your praying is absolute pointless. Or maybe God is fed up with you. Or come on, he doesn't love you. But in these moments, this is when the secret of the Lord is whispered to your heart. To those who fear him. To those who honor him and love him and serve him just as it was with David. So no matter how dark your day is today. And I am currently aware of several situations in the church body. David said, I'm going to church. You can be encouraged today. You can have your spirits lifted today. God can breathe an extra dose of, 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 of a boost of faith and encouragement into your life today. Where you can leave and listen, you can't, just like nutrition, you can't hang on to this word all week. you got to eat it every day. You have to eat it. You will be strengthened. He will give you discernment. He will give you joy. He will convict you. He will have compassion on you. He will show you things that he's not going to show just the average person because you're seeking. And those who seek, find. It's not debatable. They find. You will find. The word is something you have to digest on a daily basis. It is powerful. In our lowest moments, this is when God comes. We may not fully understand what he's telling us now because I don't and I didn't and I usually don't in the moment. And that is okay. He's going to bring us as a church or as an individual or as a family. If your family is falling apart, if your family, if things are happening within your family, come to church. Give it to the Lord. Spend time with him in private. Lift those situations to the Lord. You may not know exactly where you're going, but you will have this assurance that it's going to be this, a great victory at the end for the Lord because God will receive the glory. It's this blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. It's a blessed assurance. I can't explain it, but I know that I know that I know. He reveals these things to your heart. If you're like, I don't hear from him, I'm telling you, he will speak to you. He will speak to you. And this, this, the, the Lord may not necessarily bring, your, bring you out of your difficult situation right away, but if you will allow him to speak to you in your hopelessness and in the despair, 
He can put gladness in your heart. He will put gladness in your heart. He that can only be born of the Holy Spirit. He will put joy deep within inside of you that, is, that it cannot be shaken from circumstance to circumstance. Happiness can be. Joy cannot be. Joy is a for sure thing. It's an unspeakable joy that, that you're going to attempt to speak to your brethren and go to church and shout it from the rooftops. But it's this joy that people can't really understand until they've experienced for themselves. He puts gladness in my heart. He writes kindness on my heart. This is what the Bible says. We have to allow the, the, the Lord to do this in our hearts. And then kind of in, in, the, in the church and in a generation where we are like David, we're surrounded by bulls. We're surrounded by dogs. You see just the warfare that took place with the voting in of Kavanaugh. It's an absolute war. It's, it's hatred. This is what we deal with every day. It's lies. It's deception. It, it's disgusting, let's be honest. It's absolutely disgusting, and it seems to be everywhere around us. But all I need, new hope, is a secret from the Lord. All I need is a whisper from the Lord. All I need is just a little word from the Lord, and I can head out of here with confidence in the Holy Spirit and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. It's this inner joy. We have to go ask him what, like you can ask him for, at the altar this morning. Lord, would you whisper something to me this morning? Would you whisper a secret to my heart today? Can you give me some assurance today? Just a glimpse that you, what you have for me is bigger than what I'm dealing with right now. It's beyond what I'm dealing with right now. Can you show me just a little something this morning, Lord? A glimpse, a taste. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Not taste, and, not taste of the world and see that it isn't good. You don't have to. Just taste of the Lord and see that He is good. He is good. He is good. And I remember personally when I was just a boy. I was a teenager. I was 16 and I had just really given my heart to the Lord after growing up in church my whole life to that point. And the Lord began speaking to my heart about a different path that he had for me. It wasn't the path that I had prescribed to myself. I had all kinds of weird things that I was wanting to do with my life that were not of God. And when God comes into your life and he upsets that, who wins that? You or him? Who wins that moment? Who's going to win the moment today? Who wins that? And God came to me. I know that He did. The, the Lord began speaking to my heart. He was going to put me on a different path. I didn't know I'd be married three weeks after I turned 20. That wasn't in a plan. I didn't know I'd be a youth pastor at 21, 18 years ago. I didn't know I was going to go into education and administration. None of that. I knew none of it. It wasn't my plan. I don't know if I wanted to do any of it. When you're 16, you don't know anything. 16-year-olds think now they know it all, right? We know that. But only when they're 25 and 30 and 40, they'll be like, they'll look back and say, I knew nothing. Now they'll say, I know better than you. But then, trust me, you will say, I knew nothing at that point. It's a great feeling. It shows growth. So when I'm, when I'm looking at this, I remember, I remember when and where this happened and 
it, it, this, this moment that I had, who I had to decide who won that moment, was going to completely change the trajectory of the path that I had constructed in my own mind. I had no idea at the time of anything that that was going to consist of, but I knew this, this secret had been whispered to me. There was this inner joy that had filled me at the time that began to fill my heart with this assurance that God himself was going to accomplish something through my life that, that I was ignorant to at the time. Does this make sense? So if you're in that moment of ignorance, that's okay. I still am, because there's still more. And around the third week of January in 1995, I was attending a New Hope Church service in the fellowship hall that what was then the entire facility, right? Put your hands up. You're like just nostalgic right now. Like, it's a great... I remember this. I remember the Spirit of God drawing me to the altar that night, the third week of January in 1995 when I was in, when I was in high school. I was a sophomore. I was 16. And I knew this decision was not going to be easy. And I knew what was going to happen afterwards. But I said, God, take this away from me. Take this away from me because I want people to notice your Spirit in me. And He did. And it was a rough ride. It was tough. But I remember asking for a spine of steel. I remember asking for a forehead of flint. I remember asking that God, let nothing shake me. In the midst of all of it, you have to keep me, Lord. Because I wanted a real experience. I wanted a real change. And I remember this. The Spirit of God, God drew me to the altar that night. I chose, like the song said, I chose to respond to His voice. I had the decision in my court of who wins that moment. In, in humility, I, I bowed, and I remember giving my heart to the Lord that night. I remember Pastor Joe preaching that night. I'm 16. He didn't know me very well. He knew me at that point for, a, for maybe three weeks. He called me a wild stallion. Because I was, I was a wild kid. And I remember him saying, if, 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 that guy, if that kid will fall under the subjection and the authority of the Lord Jesus, God will do something with that child. <laughs> I could have made an absolute wreck of my life. But I humbly, because we have a lot of pride, bowed by knee and I gave my Lord or gave my heart to the Lord Jesus. I gave my Lord my heart. Because he became the new boss that night. He became the master that night. Lordship means boss. It means master. I gave him the keys to every door and every hallway to this place that I call my heart. Nothing was off limits to him. Things are still a struggle at times because I'm human and it's sin. But at that moment, I can pinpoint that moment in my life. And the Spirit of God drew me that night. He was whispering to me. He was telling me things about my, my current situation, my present situation. He was revealing glimpses of things to me about my future and how starting at this moment, things are going to be different now, Adam. See, I frequently have to revisit that moment in my mind and realize at certain times that I'm currently living in the moments that God way back then was whispering to me all those years ago. Isn't God amazing? My goodness. Be encouraged this morning. 
Please stand to your feet. Band, you can make your way up. I want to encourage you today to rejoice. In your low moment. It's, it's a rejoicing that happens that is deeper than just a head knowledge of what you might know about God. It's deeper than that. It's deeper. If, if you are in the secret service, which means you show up just on four Sundays a year, and, it, and it's not important to you, then God somehow needs to re, rearrange the priorities in your life. Maybe you want it to be important, but it's just hard. There's a lot of things in this life that are very time-consuming. But neglect not thy duty of this relationship that Jesus Christ wants to have with you. I want to encourage New Hope. You can turn some of the lights down and let's, let's just give God this moment. But the question is, who wins this moment? You? You know, we encourage our kids in the youth ministry. In fact, I preached a message on the Bible a week or two ago, whenever it was, and I was saying to them that you guys were taking a course over here on finances. When it comes to finances, who wins that? You or God? When it comes to sex and relationships and marriage and a spouse, living together outside of marriage, Who wins that? You or God? Most importantly, when it comes to eternity and what God says through Jesus Christ, His Son in John 3.3, you must be born again. Who wins that? You or God? Who wins that moment? Heaven is not full of Catholics and Christ, or, or, or Presbyterians or Methodists or people who walk elderly women or men across the street or give to charity. That's not what heaven is full of. Heaven is full of people who are born again. Because John 3.3 3 says you must be born again to even see the kingdom of God. So if you're here this morning and you've never been in a situation or a moment where man who wins this me and how I feel I get to heaven how I think my a way is right or does God the author and the finisher of your faith and the one who knitted you together in your mother's womb and ordained you and knew exactly what he wanted for you and from you before the earth was even formed who wins that moment sometimes when the Lord speaks our mind really can't comprehend we're here, but in our heart this morning, like David, we have to be able to say, I, I don't know exactly what this is all about, Lord, but I do know that it's a lot bigger than where I am today, and I know that I'm going to rejoice in God's faithfulness, and I'm going to encourage others to do so as well. Who's going to win the moment this morning with you? Choose to rejoice. Come to the altar and give this moment to your Lord this morning. Band.